I'm Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Tell your story. Author, psychologist, musician. Listen to Dr. Karen to encourage your life. I'm all about taking charge, taking charge of your thoughts, taking charge of your life. I say it every week and how sometimes when we have intense emotions, we can get caught ruminating and obsessing. I and mean, we've looked at the research and how that actually doesn't help us at all. In fact, it keeps us stuck and it keeps us depressed rather than helping move us forward. Single is the new black. Don't wear white till it's right. Very important. Very important. What are they doing to keep that excitement and that in love feeling? Channel a path to a more authentic you. Okay, this week, fight all you want, but whenever you fight, you have to hold hands. Learn how to have true intimacy. Yeah, bottle that up and sell it. (laughs) We want to make sure that the activities we're doing together are charging us up, getting us excited, giving us pleasurable feelings, and then helping us stay attracted to one another. Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Love and life. I'm all about living authentically and finding the best version of you and living life to its fullest. Turn up your dial. Get connected. You're listening to Dr. Karen on Love and Life right now. Welcome to Dr. Karen Love and Life. Hi there. I'm Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. I'm a psychologist, author, speaker, former professor, and musician. You might know me from my latest book, Single is the New Black. Don't wear white till it's right. Here on Love and Life, we talk about living and relating authentically in all realms of life. We look at how to have true intimacy in romantic relationships, more meaningful friendships, healthier family connections, more productive and fulfilling careers, and we learn methods for staying happy, hopeful, and positive, all while channeling a path to a more authentic you, living an authentic life. So in May, we're focusing on marriage, on love and life. And I'd like to invite back onto the show my resident relationship expert. (laughs) He's rolling his eyes at me. That is not on the resume. (laughs) Wait, honey. Remember from last episode, no rolling eyes because that's a sign. Actually, he didn't roll his eyes. He just kind of gave me a look. We really don't roll eyes because we listen to Dr. Karen Love and Life and we learned that eye rolling is a sign of contempt and something we should never do in our marriages. Agreed. So, but he did give me a little smirk, like, come on now. I'm not a relationship expert, but listeners remember last week and they heard a lot of the things that you were saying were right on. You were spot on with the research, babe. You just were. Well, I just, I lived some life, honey. <laughs> lived a little life. <laughs> well, I want to thank you so much again for joining me, especially because something else about Dan and Karen, uh, Karen is a little bit more, I don't know how to say this. Maybe I'll start with you. You are a little bit more comfortable being very well prepared, having looked over your notes, and I wing things sometimes. And in this case, I had promised you that I would give you the outline before we recorded, and I did not. So <laughs> once, once again. <laughs> so I am sorry that I am throwing you to the wolves. We are going to wing it, and who knows if I will have anything important to say, but I'm here. I'm no, for you, sweetie. thank you, darling. No, um, and I do apologize, and I do thank you because I, especially when we're talking about marriage, we talked about last week that it's really nice to have both sides of the story, to have spouses talking about marriage together so that we have both perspectives represented and also getting, you know, just coming at these topics from multiple vantage points. So I appreciate it. Yeah. And also, darling, to my mind, and this is not an excuse, although it's sounding like an excuse, 
but it's really not an excuse. I do think it's kind of cool to get your just spontaneous response without having some formulated reaction that may not be as genuine. I don't know. Can I make that argument? I guess you can make that argument. It's yeah. that some people think on their feet better than others. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not going to put myself in that category. <laughs> I'm the best uh, with the with the quick wit and uh, thinking on my feet. We'll have fun. We'll carry on. We'll carry on. All That's right. right. Hi, this is Damia Jackson. I am an avid listener of Dr. Karen's Love and Life podcast. It empowers, educates, and informs me to make better decisions in my life. I am happy that this resource is available to me. So on the second episode devoted to marriage for Marriage May on Love and Life, I want to get into a couple different topics that we touched on last episode, and we'll go into a little more depth. One of the things we talked about last episode was just the research that shows that when you're married, if it's a good marriage, that you are healthier, wealthier, and having more sex. And we talked about the sex, which is really important, and we're going to actually delve into that a little bit more later in the episode. But the health and the wealth, when I was single, like most single people who have a goal to get married eventually, I was very interested in the research on marriage because I wanted to prepare myself and to make sure that I was going to be equipped with everything necessary to be a great wife and to have a really strong, wonderful marriage. And so when I'd see stats like that and research, it would kind of bum me out because I'd think, listen, you know. I'm not going to be as healthy as a married woman. It's not my fault I'm still single. I'm waiting for the right person. I think I'm making the strong choice to not settle. And yet, according to the research, I'm going to be less healthy than my happily married counterpart. That didn't seem very fair to me. So I wanted to look a little bit um, more in depth at this research. One of the things that psychologists oftentimes interpret this whole married people are healthier is partly because wives are nagging husbands to go get their physicals and so they're catching diseases that maybe a single guy who doesn't have the wife going don't forget to go to that doctor's appointment he's not going to catch that disease because he's not getting that physical on a regular basis or because wives are cooking better meals again I'm getting kind of stereotypical here old school but oftentimes I mean I remember my mom saying that when she met my dad he was literally eating like hot dogs and like baked beans right out of the can (laughs) and so you know yeah he was in his late 20s and he probably wasn't as healthy as when he married my mom the home ec major and he was having you know three square meals a day sure so that's kind of interesting to look at that interpretation of why married people might be physically healthier now i think those are those are valid because you can picture you know when you're young especially a young guy doing a lot of drive-throughs right you know, doing a lot of fast foods and it's even all that normal for him to sit down and, and have a meal um you know even with his buddies or you know unless it's it's maybe pub food but yeah you know certainly not going to olive garden and, <laughs> and having a nice salad together right a nice salad right yeah <laughs> Well, and even when I was single all those years, I would throw a lot of dinner parties just because I enjoyed that. I always had, even in my tiny little apartments in Chicago, I always had a dining room. That was always a must-have for my apartment search because I loved throwing dinner parties. But when I was like on a random Wednesday night coming home from teaching, I wasn't going to prepare this nice salad and and nice, you know, chicken breast. I was just opening up a box of cereal. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, I think that there's just the lifestyle of having someone to share a meal with. Just that in and of itself makes you make it a little bit more of a ritual. 
if you're able to eat together. Well, and back to the piece, you know, regarding, you know, sickness and, and going to the doctor. I think really on both sides, when you have um, two people living together, then you've got that support. Somebody can pick you up cold medicine right. or, or cough medicine or, or somebody can encourage you, you know, hey, don't try to fight through that cold. You know, let's just, you know, let me go, go get you some fruit or let's, you know, do this or that. You know, you're more of a team to try to help you both stay healthy. Yeah. Where you may not, because of your schedule, you may not even have time. You just have to run through it, run through life. And, and you didn't have time to stop at Walgreens or, you know, didn't have time to do something that you probably should have done for your health. Mm-hmm. And I remember being single and, you know, because I was single for so long. I know at one point I was good. You know, I gained so much independence. And we've talked about that on Love and Life a lot that, I mean, that's so I mean, all the independence that I gained only made me a better partner for you. But I remember at times, dang, I want to be like just taken care of just a little bit here. And I think it's okay to want sure. that feeling as a single person. It's okay to sometimes be like, I'm tired of being strong and independent. <laughs> and I just need someone to go pick up some Kleenex at Walgreens because right. I'm out and my nose is running, you know, that kind of thing. So you're listening to Dr. Karen Anderson Abril on Love and Life. Go to our website, drkarin dot me. That's www.dr Karen with a K dot me. Have any questions or would like to share your story with Dr. Karen? Email her, Karen K A R I N at drkarin dot me. So now we want to look at ways to have a happy marriage, because obviously we don't want to just have a mediocre marriage or we definitely don't want to have a cruddy marriage. So how do we have a happy marriage? And one of the the qualities of a happy marriage that researchers have found over and over again is that similarities make for a happy marriage. Now, you might say, well, duh, but think about it this way. I get the question a lot. People will ask me, well, Karen, is it more so in marriage that birds of a feather flock together and that makes for a great marriage or opposites attract? Because we hear both, you know, in our in our societal understanding of attraction and what people what draws people to each other. We hear both that, oh, yeah, if you're like minded, then you like to hang out with similar minded people. Or we also hear that if you are opposites that you kind of are excited by the other person's differences. But the research shows that similarities and shared interests are really related to a strong, happy marriage. I would think that just makes sense. I mean, we've all seen where one of our friends will maybe be with uh, somebody that we know is so dissimilar to them, but they're they're just so excited about that person. There's just this passion, right? Right. And it just it always seems short term. I think from a lasting standpoint, and I'm sure that's what the research is, is yeah. showing that that the more you are similar, the more I think we've talked about it, the more money in the bank yep. that you have, basically, yep. you know, b- with similarities, that the easier things are going to go. I know that you know with you and I got all these different similarities we have some differences too but I would think majority uh, of our our characteristics are similar uh, from you know loving food to music to animals uh, right animals right we love our fur babies yeah I mean just on and on and on yeah so it would be yeah it would be a challenge every day it'd be uh it'd be an interesting battle uh every day I guess if you were opposites but yeah I don't think it'd last so think about something like time management because the way that you spend your time is such an indication of your values. And going back to our fur babies, like we go to the dog park on a regular basis and spend sometimes often, in fact, an hour a day. And if I don't do it, you do it. And sometimes we go together. But 
someone else who didn't value our sweet creatures wouldn't want to spend that much time. And that's a lot of time in a day. And so you would understand that that would be something they're like, listen, I'm not that passionate about the animals. And that could be a ton of tension. Uh, This research that I'm looking at now came from a gerontologist out of Cornell University named Carl Pillamar. And his book is called 30 Lessons for Loving. He interviewed 700 elderly people who'd been married for a long, long time. And he found from their interviews that those marriages that were the happiest were ones where similarities and shared interests were a huge part and made the marriage smoother, easier, and more likely to last. And I think it's what's also interesting that Pilamar talked about was that we need to make an effort to try to share. So if there are some differences, that one of the ways I can love you is to try to become interested in something that maybe wasn't my thing as a way of connecting with you. Sure. I would think, too, that, that in that case, probably both couples have open minds and are willing mm-hmm. to to learn more about the other person's interest. So that's probably a, another similarity that they had, would be my guess. Yeah. And I think that's, again, trying to give these takeaway messages to listeners. It's, it's like, hey, you know, if someone's out there in a marriage that's not thriving, it's not where they want it to be. One of the things they could do, just again, something they could listen today and do tonight is try to make an effort. Maybe, I mean, I'm thinking about some wife whose husband is like really into fantasy football or something and she's like oh my gosh I just don't care but you know maybe make an effort make an overture to try to become interested in something that he's passionate about and hope that then he'll reciprocate right and then and then if he doesn't then there's something wrong <laughs> because then it's it's a it's too one side of a marriage in the first place right or, yeah. or you know let's the, let's not even say marriage let's just because hopefully they wouldn't have gotten married if right. it was too one side let's, let's, let's be optimistic and say but just in a relationship you know if it uh, if it starts to, to sway one way to too much, then then that's not a good thing either, and certainly not a good sign for a lasting marriage to come. So speaking of fur babies, we have a fur baby right with us in the studio today. Lolly is uh, wanting daddy's attention. So if you hear any little snorts and, and sniffles, <laughs> <laughs> it's our little baby, our little lollipop, April. She's our rescue, and she's been with us a year. And yeah, that was her uh, giving a little... I'm not sure. She's probably ready to go to the dog park, speaking of the dog park. But anyway, back to the marriage stuff. So the second topic I want to really delve into for this episode, looking at how to have a happy marriage, not just a mediocre marriage, is attraction. How do we make attraction last? And that's something that I think a lot of people could really benefit from because, of course, the sparks and the fireworks were there initially. But what about trying to keep that intensity of your passion? How do we keep that alive in marriage? And so there's a ton of research on that that we're going to just look into. Well, yeah, I know that that you and I kind of jokingly talk about no bait and switch, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, the uh, you know, and it's not fair to to generalize completely, but I think physical attraction is important. And so, if you fell in love with somebody that was, you know, five five eleven one seventy five, and and suddenly a year later I'm five eleven two thirty because I just said, hey, I, you know, I got my girl, and I I'm just going to eat chips and drink beer, then <laughs> that wouldn't be a very loving thing for me to do. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and vice versa, you know, so, so I think physicality is important. And so people should make sure that they try to stay in shape for themselves, for their health and for, you know, the attraction of their spouse. I think their problems occur in marriages a lot when people get satisfied 
and start to let themselves go, not only certainly physically, but mentally. And, and mentally, there's a, an attraction too, right? You know, so the person can't, you know, should continue to learn and both people in the in the partnership uh, continue to grow. I think we've all seen where that's not always the case. Well, as always, darling, you are on top of the research that you didn't even read because actually there's there are many studies that look at it's common for people to gain some weight when they get married and so people married who are married are more likely to be overweight and obese than single people which again might be like single they're like in tip top i gotta you know i gotta get you know leave with my a game so i can get as many dates as possible or whatever so that is a reality that, that that we do see when we look at, at the demographics, we see that married people can get complacent. And it's interesting because as a single woman all those years, I remember feeling I wanted someone who would fully love me for me, just who I am. And I could be totally real and raw and vulnerable. And that meant, you know, for me, like I don't wear a lot of makeup. So I, I wouldn't have wanted to be with someone who was looking for that you know pageant type look because that's not me. And, and yet at the same time, I find that with you when like when you've been on a business trip and you're coming home like I definitely like look in the mirror and I'm you know and we're five years in now so this is like five months in I mean I, I think this is something that I want to do because it matters to me I want you to come home and be like that's the most beautiful woman that I've seen in the last three days. I don't want you to be thinking about some flight attendant who was on Southwest or, or some other attractive woman. I mean, there's wonderfully beautiful women out there and I know you're gonna see them and, and find them attractive. That's just normal. But I don't want you to ever come home and be like, hmm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what did I do? Yeah. Well, it's like what Paul Newman's been quoted as saying You were, for his marriage to Joanne Woodward, which I think was his second wife, actually. They were faithful and loving and that's, pretty unusual in Hollywood, isn't it? So I think he's been quoted as saying, you know, why would I go out for a hamburger when I had steak at home? Steak at home. So I want to be your steak at home. So it's interesting that I feel that even though I would want to be able to be like in sweats and yoga pants with a hair, you know, popped on top of my head. But I also, it's important to me that I give you the best version of me because kind of like what we talked about last week too, like why would I lead with my A game in other contexts and other domains of life? and not give you my A-game. Right. No, and, and I appreciate it very much. And, <laughs> You're uh, welcome. <laughs> when I think we both can fe- feel that we can have our downtime and wear our sweats and certainly our jeans and T-shirts and, and just hang. But but yeah, there are certain times and events. You know, we had our fifth year anniversary dinner last night and it was it was kind of fun for both of us to to go to a nice restaurant and get all, all fancied up, mm-hmm. you know, and just, just enjoy each other. And, and it wasn't like that you, know, you were putting on that beautiful sex red dress I wasn't gonna come at you with a you know with a, an untucked shirt and jeans you know I just wasn't because it, it wasn't the occasion for it right? right hi I'm Linda and I listen to Dr. Karen love and life in Bedford Kentucky So getting into the research, I'm going to borrow from anthropologist Helen Fisher's work. She's done a ton of research on mating and dating and attraction and how people stay together. And she looks at, as an anthropologist, she looks at research that that considers human activity and behavior in cultures worldwide and then also since the dawn of time. So it's a very comprehensive look at human interacting. I'm going to borrow some stuff from her book, The Anatomy of Love, A Natural History of Mating, Marriage, and Why We Stray. This was a reworking of her book. I just read it recently. Uh, 
it came out in 2016, but it was a reworking of her book from 1992, which added a ton of more current and uh, more recent research. But one of the things that they looked at in her studies was trying to find those couples who were still in love after years and years and years. Because when we do brain imaging research, we can see areas of the brain that light up. That's how scientists refer to it. So the, the, the areas of the brain that are active and certain areas of the brain are related to falling in love and staying in love and feeling that that affection and, and, and sexual drive and all these sorts of things. And so when we look at, say, a couple that just fell in love like three months ago where they are in the, in the throes of they are obsessed with each other. And it's funny because some of the research looks at the way that we are obsessed with our new partner when we're falling in love is very similar to the way a cocaine addict <laughs> feels about cocaine. Like, really? yeah, it's fascinating research. But I think Dr. Fisher's question with this research is even more interesting because, of course, we know that we're crazy about someone when we just meet them and they're they can do no wrong. And we see them through rose colored glasses sure. and they're just perfect. And they're my dream man who's finally here. But how do we maintain that? That's the question. So she looked at couples who'd been married an average of 21 years and they all had adult children which is also an important variable to consider because as we know when children come along that can kind of dim the excitement of the marriage we've talked about that before so fisher looked at these couples who their brain activity was similar to these couples who'd only been together like three months and these are couples who on average like i said were married 21 years and so she's like what are they doing to keep that excitement and that in love feeling so what she looked at is what's going on in the brain what's going on and what can we learn from these couples who've figured it out. So one of the things Dr. Fisher found was that these couples maintained an active sex life throughout all these stages and ups and downs of of marriage. They maintain that active sex life. And she attributes it to the release of dopamine when we have sex and we orgasm, it releases a rush of the neurotransmitter dopamine in our brains and so that releases all these pleasure centers and we're feeling this high and of course if we do that more often with our life partner then we remain attracted to one another so it's it's this chemical reaction that we want to make sure that we are experiencing together and then associating all this pleasure with my husband so when I have a wonderful sexual experience and then I look at you the next day I'm remembering that pleasure rush and attributing it to you, which of course is the reason it's there. But you know, sure, we're like sure. trying to take our harness our chemical activity and use it for good to keep our marriage strong. <laughs> That's right. Another vote for more sex. <laughs> Bottle that up and sell it. I like it. <laughs> That's my businessman husband uh, going to sell the sell the. Well, I don't know if we can sell an orgasm in a bottle, but you're right. It would sell. It would make mad money. (laughs) Now, interestingly enough, dopamine also is released when we try novel activities together. So the researchers were talking about just just adventures together, traveling together, although that's kind of a weird one because people can get really crazy when they travel. <laughs> Sometimes you see the worst yes. because there's so much novel, stressful situations in traveling. Well, and there's and and oftentimes in traveling, no, neither one of you really have the answer. You know, right. So you're both trying to struggle through it. You know, it's almost like watching that TV show, Amazing Race, you know, yeah. where, where there's so much conflict when neither one really knows what's going on. So every once in a while we run into that uh, in our travels early on, but we got through them pretty good, mostly yeah. because you ha- I have tremendous patience where I do not. And so when I would maybe tend to 
to get a little more anxious than probably was necessary, you were able to balance that. Let's well, say. thank you, darling. <laughs> well, and I've seen other research that's very similar, though, that shows that when we go on activities together, that because we have to problem solve together, that can also bond us. Yeah. So it's interesting. So, tra- But I think travel is one of those things, even with friends. I mean, I've been on trips with people where I'm like, oop. not going to travel with that person again because you just see a side of someone. Right. But they also talked about like any novel activities, even just going to a new restaurant or learning scuba diving, which (laughs) we did recently. Yeah, that that story is probably for another podcast. (laughs) We will share that. That is to be be continued. Hi, I'm Michelle from Valparaiso, Indiana, and I listen to Dr. Karen Love and Life. The second component of this maintaining intense attraction for one another also is related to our body chemistry. And so couples who cuddle after sex are also more likely to have happy marriages that are still very exciting in terms of their attraction for each other. Now, this is related to oxytocin, which is considered to be the bonding hormone. And so it's released when we have skin-on-skin contact. So after our big dopamine rush from our our hot and heavy sex session, then we want to cuddle and let that oxytocin marinate. And that continues to the the bonding process with one another. I think that has to depend on how late it is, though. Because <laughs> there's probably not a lot of cuddling about 1130 at night if that's when that happens. So, Well, I'm a night owl, so 1130 is just the beginning of my night. But anyway, a quick little hack. If you're finding that you're not as connected and feeling as close to your partner, I mean, women oftentimes want, we need to sit down and have a conversation. Well, that could be helpful too, but let's also use our, our physiology to connect us. So holding hands, we talked about affection last week, holding hands, making sure that we're connecting on that that level. In fact, marriage therapists oftentimes will coach couples to hold hands when they're fighting. They're, they'll get a directive like, okay, this week, fight all you want, but whenever you fight, you have to hold hands. You have to hold each other's hands and look in each other's eyes. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty cool. Because then it's getting their physiology to work against them. And I say against in air quotes because against their efforts to fight, right? They're, they're physiology is like, no, we're bonded and we're oxytocin is coursing (laughs) through our systems. And so I think that's a kind of a cool way to, again, let's harness all of our bodies and all of our biology to work for us, to keep ourselves excited and hot for each other. And one other little side note for any new parents out there, psychologists will give new fathers who are trying to bond with their new infant baby because the mom she's got nine months when the baby's in utero so she's been bonding with this child for nine months but when the baby first comes out for a father to get that some of that connection psychologists will suggest to men you know sit in your boxer shorts or your 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 shorts and and lie on the couch without your shirt and have your baby in the diaper without a onesie and go belly to belly just put your your baby right on your belly and so just let that oxytocin just again marinate in your system and your baby system and that's bonding you to your newborn baby yeah that's good stuff yeah just a little love and life hack there And the third component of keeping your marriage exciting and keeping that attraction high is to tell your story. And I thought that was really interesting. A University of Washington study noted that they could predict with 94% accuracy whether a couple would stay together by the way they told the story of how they met. 
And so what they found was that couples who shared a sense of fondness and solidarity in the telling of the story, and it didn't have to be some big, you know, meet cute Hollywood, you know, chick flick kind of way of, of meeting each other. It could just be very banal. But if they both were kind of excited, like, let's tell our story. Yeah. Even if they met in a bar or, if, you know, yeah. doesn't or, or online a, or dating or, service on the top of the Himalayas. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, right. yeah. Hi, I'm Maureen and I listen to Dr. Karen Love and Life in Mississippi. The directive here was to tell your story to anyone who's willing to listen. And they also recommended that you tell your story to each other periodically and reminisce and, and enjoy remembering. Oh, my gosh. Remember when I first looked at you and you had that beautiful smile and those beautiful light blue eyes and big muscles. And <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> it's the, all true. Well, well I'm sorry if anybody's throwing up out there. We, uh, we did do a little reminiscing last night. Yeah. Because our fifth, it, it was to the day, our fifth anniversary. And so, yes, we went to the same restaurant restaurant and sat at the same table, stayed at the same hotel room. And yeah, so that was that was fun to, to be able to relive that a little bit. Hi, my name is Dina and I listen to Dr. Karen, Love and Life in Chicago. And the love and life hack for this week is to keep your marriage exciting and hot and heavy, use your body chemistry for you. Have lots of sex to get that dopamine rush, cuddle afterwards so you can enjoy the oxytocin and then tell your story to each other and to anyone else who will listen. You can find me at my website, www.drkaren.me. On Twitter, I'm at Dr. Karen Anderson. Facebook, Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Instagram, I'm at Dr. Karen, D-R dot K-A-R-I-N. And I'd love to hear from you. You can email me your story or ask me a question. I'm at Karen at drkaren.me. Thanks so much for subscribing and liking on iTunes and SoundCloud. We're also on Stitcher and Spreaker at Dr. Karen Love and Life. If you head over to my website, please sign up for my riff on relationships. I send out one or two emails a month letting you know what I'm blogging about, what we're covering on the podcast, and any appearances I may be making. Please let me know if you have any topics you want me to cover. I want this to be your show as much as it is mine. Thanks to my producer, Michelle Musso, my communications manager, Dale Gregory, and my darling husband for weighing in again and giving me the male vantage point, Dan Abril. Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. This is Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, make it a great week. Music.